Hey guys, this is Anna. So before we get today, get on with the show today, let's hear from our sponsor. Hey everybody, this is the Ramblings of a Transgender Christian Podcast. I am your host, Anna Hudak. Sorry for the dark lighting. Unfortunately, this is the best I can get it right now. Quite cloudy out. Um, but yeah, so, but I think it's light enough, you know, that you can kind of see what's going on. So, uh, but yeah, how do you get it done now? So anyway... Yeah, sorry, I am pretty low energy again today, um, quite tired, not been getting much sleep, but we're gonna get through this, baby. We're gonna, um, get this all done, and it's gonna be fire, you know, what, what can you say? Um, just a reminder, uh, if you run a blog or a podcast or YouTube channel, whatever, you know, whatever, um, uh, even something else, you know, whatever, um, just some project. Um, and you, and you want to ever, and you can advertise for it on the show. I want to move away from monetary ads, you know, um, and start doing ads for <clears throat> other content creators, whether you're like a blogger, a YouTube channel, um, runner, or, you know, blogger, I mean, podcaster, you know, whatever, you know, or whatever else, you know, make an ad, you know, I have you know, YouTube version of the podcast and an audio version of the podcast. You can do an ad for one or the other or both. It doesn't matter. But yeah. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you so we can advertise for you a show here. So. Anyway. <clears throat> um. Anyway, moving on with uh, today's shit. Um, so we are continuing our series on... Socialism and the Churches. Uh, we are going through a 1905 um, article by Rosa Luxemburg talking about uh, the, 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 about the Social Democrat movement um, in, you know, when they're fighting against the Tsarist government in Russia in 1905 and how the churches were against them. And I think that, you know, so we are going through this, talking about how it's still, so much of it applies for today, what we can learn about back then, you know, and just learn about Christianity and its relation to power in general. Um, so we are on part two today. Of course, you can find the link to this article uh, in the YouTube description or the show notes, depending whether you're listening or watching this on YouTube, you know, or listening to this on some podcast app. But anywho, um, yeah, we're going to get to Nuanda. Part two today. <clears throat> the Social Democrats want to bring about the state of communism. This is chiefly what the clergy have against them. First of all, it is striking to notice that the priests of today who fight against quote-unquote communism condemn in reality the first Christian apostles. For these latter were nothing else than ardent communists. The Christian religion developed, as is well well known. Actually, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to make a comment already. We're just going to make one comment already um, before we move on. This is something that's not really up for debate, you know? Like, the funny thing is, I see a lot of, like, communists and socialists who argue against that. But I don't see a whole lot of, you know, people who aren't argue against that. You know, like, you know, even people who don't like that and try to minimize it, you know, on the right will say, well, you know, the reason they got rid of it was because it didn't work, you know, like, but like nobody denies that they were communists or socialists, like, except for other communists and socialists, you know, 
non-religious communists and socialists. Like, they hate the idea. They will sit there and whine and tell you why you really wasn't communist or socialist. Like, because, like, it just shows that, you know, so many just refuse to have religion as a part of the movement at all. And it's just like, get over it. Like, it's just amazing to me that it's, you know, non-religious socialists and communists, you know, other communists and socialists who hate the notion that the first Christians were communists the most. Like, they actually despise it. But even the right, like most of the right-wingers I've ever talked to or listened to about this will admit, yeah, they were communists and socialists, you know. They were like fucking Marxists, but, um, you know, but most of it will go down to right. Well, but obviously the reason that, you know, they stopped doing it is because it just didn't work, you know, because communism doesn't work, you know, which is bullshit, but that's besides the point, you know. But, you know, at least, you know, but, it's just, you know, like it's amazing to see that people pretty much agree that it is. You know, then, you know, even my dad, you know, who's a hardcore libertarian, um, you know, uh, for international audiences um, who don't understand the American political system, you know, uh, our pol politics are very different scale than yours. We have different names for everything. Um, what we mean here as Americans, when we say libertarian, uh, our libertarians um, are uh, corporate bootlickers. <laughs> I mean, these are complete fucking nut jobs who believe that, the, that either there should be next to no government or literally no government. Um, and instead, corporations should rule everything. Um, so, yeah, we're just, I mean, we're the, we're the ultimate comic book villains. You know, corporations should run the earth, you know. They, they, they look at, you know, the outer worlds, you know, that video game, um, and, and see that as a good thing. Uh, but if you see that, like, look at it and like, yeah, what's wrong with it? That's, you know, like, for me, that's, that's heaven, man. Um, for the motherfuckers who don't think there's anything wrong with cyberpunk. <laughs> um, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I'm strongmanning a little bit, you know, they would, they would all, you know, be we'd all be aghast, you know, um, at the notion that, you know, they think cyberpunk, you know, is a great set, you know, grades and, Outer Worlds is great because they'd be like, but corporations would never do that, you see? Because uh, corporations have your best interests in mind because they need your money, you know? And they can't do it, you know? We're not going to get your money if you're, you're beating them, treating them horribly, you know? If we're treating our own employees horribly, you know? it's And if they do, it's crony capitalism. You know, that's what these libertarian motherfuckers believe and they push... Um, yeah, so it's, it's fucking insane. I mean, these guys are just, just beyond fucking insane. And my dad is a hardcore libertarian who believe, who, he's a, he's actually kind of weird. Like, he's not really libertarian. Like, he, he has a lot of libertarian beliefs. Same thing, he doesn't believe that corporations, you know, are best serving everything. So, like, he's kind of libertarian, but he's not quite. Like, libertarian is the best term that we can, that, you know, that applies to him, the best one, but he hates corporations as well, so. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's basically libertarian. Um, and even he agrees that, like, socialism, kindism, you know, that they were communists, you know, back then. Now, my dad is actually different, though. Like, he doesn't believe that, you know, that they stopped doing it because it doesn't work. He believes it did work. Um, 
And that, you know, he would be, you know, that what they did was like the one true socialism, you see. Um, and nobody's re replica replicated it since. Because, you see, socialism, according to him, only works if people aren't forced to be socialist. You know, because that's how things work. You see, like capitalism, you know, um, we're not obviously not forced to be capitalists, you see. That's why capitalism works so great, because, you know, you can just opt in or opt out of capitalism, you see. Um, oh, wait. Yeah, isn't it amazing how these people, even, like, I know other people who are like my dad, who are like, well, that's the one true socialism, you know, it was completely voluntary, you know. Um, they all believe that it's a great thing, but, you know, the idea that you should opt, be able to opt out of capitalism, nah, bro, that's, uh, ooh, that's a little too far, you know, or even if they are that way, um, you know, say, yeah, you should be able to, they can't explain how you're supposed to be able to do that. It's the great flaw, man. Capitalist brain is something, man. Capitalist brain is something. Anyway, moving on. Um, the Christian religion developed, as it was well known, in ancient Rome, in the period of the decline of the empire, which was formerly rich and powerful, comprising the countries which today are Italy and Spain, part of France, part of Turkey, Palestine, and other territories. The state of Rome at the time of birth of Jesus Christ much resembled that of Tsarist Russia. On one side, laid, there lived a handful of rich people in idleness, enjoying luxury and every pleasure. On the other side was an enormous man of people rotting in poverty. Above all, a despotic government, resting on violence and corruption, exerted a vile oppression. The whole Russian, sorry, Roman Empire was plunged into complete disorder, ringed, ringed around by threatening external foes, the unbridled soldiery, in power practice its cruelties on the wretched on the wretched populace. The countryside was deserted, the land lay waste, the cities, and especially Rome, the capital, were filled with poverty stricken, who raised their eyes full of hate to the palaces of the rich. The people were without bread, without shelter, without clothing, without hope, and without the possibility of emerging from her poverty. Yeah, I mean this is how most societies have been all throughout history. Even to this day, I mean, most societies are, I mean, yeah, I mean, pretty much every society is like that, you know. There's a few where it's not as bad, you know. Um, kind of like, you know, like Denmark and Norway, you know. Um, not as bad, you know, in those countries as it is in most others, but, you know, most countries, it's like this or it's becoming that way. Like here in America, the inequality is growing. Like, we have never been more unequal of a country. Uh, and it's just growing. The inequality between the poor and the rich, the gap is just widening and widening, you know, um. Uh, you know, and like as the Amer as you know, the quote unquote American dream just becomes even more laughable and farcical than it already was. You know, at least you know in the back of the day, you know, it was at least 
God, you know, at least it was somewhat possible, you know, to change classes somewhat. You know, like, you could do it, you know, as long as you weren't black or a woman, you know, or whatever, you know, other racial minority they didn't like at the time, you know, or you weren't gay or trans, you know. But, you know, if you were, you know, white, you know, there was, there was a chance you could climb out of that poverty, you know. Not the biggest one, but at least it was possible, you know. Um, there was a chance today, unless you're going to become a big athlete, you know, superstar athlete or a superstar, you know, or, you know, or, you know, a propagandist for, you know, the ruling class, like, good luck. <laughs> you ain't climbing out of your class, buddy, you know. But, I mean, it just shows, you know, that inequality, you know, as bad as it was, like, it's never been great here in America. It's always been pretty poor, you know. Um, inequality's always been pretty great, which I think is the great lie, you know, about America. All men are equal when inequality's always been high here, you know. Um, but, like, it's somehow just gotten even wider, you know. Now, it's pretty much race blind like it's basically just blind to any um of your groups you know your groups whatever you know even if you're white at this point i mean don't get me wrong things are nowhere close to as bad for white people as it is for black people his or hispanic people you know middle easterners um you know muslims but it's still worse than it's ever been even for white people um you know because like at this point they, they don't care what race you are. They don't care what sexuality you are. They don't care what religion. It is now blatantly and in your face a class warfare. You, I mean, you can't sit here and pretend that's the fucking immigrants. You can't sit here and pretend that's the gays. You know, did you know that back in the 17 and 1800s, that, you know, some of the greatest, you know, who they consider be the greatest threats to society? Outside of abolitionists, which were at that point basically just the Quakers, um, gender queer people, which of course they didn't call them that back then. Uh, we just called them like genderless people or whatever, you know. Um, but you know, they 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 found they found gender queer people uh, to be um, one of the biggest threats of society. You know, society, you know, they were, you know, transgender, agender, uh, non-binary people were the greatest threat, were, when it, were arguably the greatest threat to nation, to the, to the nation's unity and security. Even back in the 1700s, like, Revolutionary War, they were doing that bullshit, like, People have known about gender-variant people even here in America for a long time. We have always been lived as, you know, one of the biggest threats to the country. You know, one of the most famous ever was, you know, Jemima, um, or that is, uh, you know, our universal friend, you know, or the universal friend, I forget which. You know, one of the most famous Quakers of all time, um, but also not a Quaker, depending on who you listen to. But, you know... Our universal friend, I'm just going to call them um, our universal friend. Um, you know, uh, 
they were genderless. And they were seen as a major threat to the country. And this was back in the 1800s even, you know. So it's just like, you know, and like today, you know, you can't really, sure, we're still trying to blame it, you know, say like, oh, your problem is with, you know, those trannies, you know, or those immigrants or the Jews, you know. Uh, we're still trying to get away with that, but I think it's coming more and more obvious and hard to not notice that this is a class conflict at the end of the day. Um, but yeah, you know, because um, the inequality is just growing too big. Sure, it affects more groups, you know, harder than others, but it's, you know, it's not like it's discriminating based off of uh, necessarily discriminating, at least too focused on discriminating based on race or sex or anything like that anymore. It's not just, you know, fuck you, we need money. We don't care who you are. You can rot in poor in poorness, you know, you can rot on the streets. And, you know, and that's how it is, you know, in every, pretty much every country. And if it's not, you know, it's quickly heading that way. So, um, you know, it's like, I think that, you know, so it's just like, 2,000 years, nothing has changed, friends. You know, so much has changed, and yet nothing at all in 2,000 years. We may have tablets and computers now, high-speed internet, satellite radio, cars, um, guns, video games, but yet our societies are run and look almost the exact fucking same as they did back then. Alright, moving on to the article. There's only one difference between Rome and their decadence and the empire of the Tsars. Rome knew nothing of capitalism. Heavy industry did not exist there. At that time, slavery was, accept was the accepted order of things in Rome. Noble families, the rich, the financiers, satisfied all by their needs by putting people by putting to work the slaves which which war had supplied them. In the course of time, these rich people had laid hands on nearly all the provinces of Italy by stripping the Roman peasantry of their land. As they appropriated cereals in all the and the conquered provinces as tribute without cost, they profited thereby to lay out on her own estates, magnificent plantations, vineyards, pastures, order, orchards, and rich gardens, cultivated by armies of slaves working under the whip of the overseer. The people of the countryside, robbed of uh, land and bread, flowed from all the provinces into the capital. But they were in no better position to earn a livelihood, for all the trades are carried on by uh, slaves. There was formed in Rome a numerous army of those who possessed nothing, the proletariat, having not even the possibility of selling for labor power. So yeah, I mean, that's, really, that's another thing that has changed, at least, you know, how labor generally is done. Now, it is under the oppressive rule of capitalism, 
of, you know, being exploited uh, for financial gain. I mean, that is still true, but now at least, you know, you get at least something for it. Nowhere close to enough. But, I mean, I guess you get something for it. Now, that's not to say it, it, there is no slavery going on in other countries. In fact, slavery is at an all-time high in the world. Um, you know, whether it's sex slavery or also literal slaves. You know, like at the cocoa plantations. Like, you know, what fucking Nestle is doing. You know, uh, you know how Nestle gets for cocoa? Uh, they hire these companies who have literal slaves, including child slaves. Uh, you know, harvest the cocoa beans for them. Slavery is still a thing that happens throughout the world. But at least this doesn't, you know, it's not the prominent way. It's just heavily, heavy exploitation, exploitative, um, you know, exploitation of your labor, you know, paying you nowhere close to enough. Especially through places like sweatshops. You know, uh, you know, even here in America, you know, it's not paying anywhere close to enough, you know, and exploiting, you know, um, the low, quote unquote, lowest in society, you know, have you ever looked and have you ever looked up what they, you know, um, what the minimum wage for disabled people here in America is? Let me tell you this, it's not seven fifty or seven twenty five an hour, it's like two fifty or something. Yeah, like, wait, 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 like, companies can literally get away with paying disabled people not even three bucks an hour in this country. Because we're disabled. And therefore, for labor is less valuable. That's how this works. If your labor is less valuable, uh, you know, because here in society, you are defined, you know, under capitalism, you are defined by one thing and one thing only. Your, you know, you know, your your worth of labor. You are you are defined strictly by you know how much productivity and you know how much uh you know how much you uh you know how much you know uh, money you can create for your company. You know you can bring in. You know that's all that matters, and yeah, it's uh. That's how it goes. And disabled people, their labor worth is deemed to be next to nothing. It just shows how capitalism doesn't work for anyone. It's fucking despicable, man. But yeah, so anyway. Um, let's move along. Um. Where were we? This proletariat coming from the countryside could not, therefore, be absorbed by industrial enterprises as is the case today. They became victims of hopeless poverty and reduced to, beggar, to beggary. This numerous popular mass, starving without work, crowding the suburbs and open spaces and streets of Rome, counted a permanent danger to the government and the possessing classes. Therefore, the government found itself compelled in its own interest to relieve the poverty. From time to time, it distributed to the proletariat corn and other foodstuffs stored in the warehouses of the state. Further, to make people, make the people forget their hardships, it offered them free circus shows. 
unlike the proletariat of our time, which maintains the whole, society, the whole of society by its labors. The enormous proletariat of Rome existed on charity. That would be nice today, wouldn't it be? <laughs> it was the wretched slaves, treated like beasts, who worked for Roman society. In this chaos of poverty and degradation, the handful of Roman magnates spent their time in orgies and debauchery. There was no way out of these monstrous social conditions. The proletariat grumbled and frowned from time to time to rise and revolt. But a class of beggars living on crumbs thrown from the table of the lords could not establish a new social order. Further, the slaves who maintained their labor by the whole of society, uh, who maintained by their labor the whole of society, sorry, were too downtrodden, too dispersed, too crushed under the yoke, treated as beasts, and too isolated from the other classes to be able to transform society. They often revolted against their masters, tried to liberate themselves by bloody battles. Every time the Roman army crushed these revolts, massacring the slaves in thousands and putting them to death on crosses. Yeah, back then, you just didn't have any hope. You couldn't fight back. They had you way too under your thumb, you know? And for a long time, we've kind of gotten away from that, where it was possible. But we are seeing that it's quickly coming not that way. I mean, look in China right now. Just the mass surveillance state they have, you know, for social credit score system. Imagine trying to revolt in China. Imagine doing a revolt of the proletariat in China. <clears throat> I mean, I don't know if that could be done. I don't think, and like, I mean, like, I genuinely have been thinking about this for a while now. You know, looking at, you know, how things are done. It's like, I don't know how the fuck you do that. I really think that it is probably... Maybe too late. I don't know. Maybe it's not. But if it's not, then they better do something fucking quick there. <clears throat> and even here in America, we're quickly heading that way. But, you know, for a long time, it... <clears throat> Sorry, but stuff stuck in my throat. It was possible for... You know, the average person to rise up. Um, yeah, it was for the longest time. Um, it was much easier than it ever had been in history. And now we are quickly moving back to extreme oppression again, where it's near impossible again. We are quickly becoming more and more like that Roman culture, that Roman society. Hmm. Anywho, moving along. Let's see. In in this crumbling society, which where where there exists in no way out of our tragic situation for the people, no hope for a better life. The wretched turn to heaven to seek salvation there. The Christian religion appeared to those on to these unhappy beings as a life belt. A consolation and an encouragement. It became, right from the beginning, the religion of the Roman proletarians. 
in conformity with the material position of the men belonging to this class. The first Christians put forward the demand for property in common. Communism. What could be more natural? The people lacked the means of substance and were dying of poverty. A religion which defended the people demanded that the rich would share with the poor the riches which ought to belong to all, and not to a handful of privileged people. A religion that preached uh, the equality of all men would have great success. However, this had nothing in common with the demand at which the Social Democrats put forward today, with a view of into making into common property the instruments of work, the means of production, in order that all humanity may work and live in harmonious unity. Yeah, as you can see, the first Christians, what they did was something that was beyond revolutionary. Common property. All property in common. This in an age where only, where only the rich and the powerful had land, had property. And yet they said, everyone, including the rich, especially the rich, will share everything they have. You will share your resources. That's how it worked. And is it any surprise that it's grown so much? Anyway. Continuing on. We have been able to observe that the Roman proletarians did not live by working, but from the alms which the government doled out. So the demand of the Christians for collective property did not relate to the means of production, but the means of consumption. They did not demand that the land, the workshops, and the insurance of life should become collective property, but only that everything should be divided up among them. Houses, clothing, food and finished products, most necessary to life. The Christian communists took good care not to inquire into the origin of these riches. The work of production always fell upon the slaves. The Christian people desired that only those who possessed the wealth should embrace the Christian religion and should make for riches common property in order that all may enjoy the good things in equality and fraternity. So understand, society was built so differently back then that what they weren't fighting for was the means of production. They weren't fighting, you know, to be, you know, for, you know, the workers to, you know, to to be in control of the company, uh, you know, for, like, worker co-ops, you know, or for things like that, you know, for, uh, pro you know, for land to be doled out, um, necessarily, you know. That kind of was everything, you know, uh, that was, you know, it was basically, you know, they wanted, they, they wanted um, houses, you know, they needed shelter, um, food, clothing, the demand of these for communists is quite different from the kindness of today. You know, they had different demands. But at the same, but at the end of the day, we are still fighting, both of us, for sharing property, 
you know, holding property in common. Anywho, moving along. It was indeed in this way that the first Christian communities were organized. A contemporary wrote, These do not believe in fortunes, but they preach collective property, and no one among them possesses more than the others. He who wishes to enter their order is obliged to put his fortune into their common property. That is why there is among them neither poverty nor luxury, all possessing all in common, like brothers. They do not live in a city apart but in each they have houses for themselves. Have any strangers belonging to the religion come there? They share their property with them, and they can benefit from it as if, as if it were own. Those people, even if previously unknown to each other, welcome one another, and their relations are very friendly. When traveling, they carry nothing but a weapon for defense against robbers. In each city, they have their steward, who distributes clothing and food to the travelers. Trade does not exist among them. However, if one member the members offers to another some object which he needs, he receives some other objects in exchange. But he can demand nothing. But each can demand what he needs, even if he can give nothing in exchange. We read in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, chapter four, thirty-two. Ver- sorry, so chapter four, verses thirty-two, thirty-four, and thirty-five. The following description of the first community of Jerusalem. No one regarded as being what he, sorry, no one regarded as being his what belonged to him. Everything was in common. Those who possessed lands or houses, after having sold them, brought the proceeds and laid them at the feet of the apostles. And to each was distributed according to his needs. In 1780, the German historian Vogel wrote nearly the same about the first Christians. According to the rule, every Christian had the right to the property of all the members of the community. In the case of want, he could demand that the richer members should divide their fortune with him according to his needs. Every Christian could make use of the property of his brothers. The Christians who possessed anything had not the right to refuse that his brothers should use it. Okay, so I want to comment on something. What is something that is commonly said today, at least among modern evangelicals here in America, about the rich? But it is immoral for us to demand more of the rich, you know. Pull yourself out by the bootstraps, you know. Um, you know, they believe that it is evil and it is immoral to, you know, demand from the rich, you know, for the poor to demand more from the rich, you know. They say that it is immoral, disgusting, entitlement. And yet that's what they did, that's literally what the first Christians did. They literally said, hey, I demand that those rich people give me some food, give me some clothing, I have none. And you know what the first Christians said? Hey, you. Rich dude, pay up, motherfucker. That's how it worked. Clearly, the apostles, the apostles, the 12 apostles, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, I mean, not not those guys, but you know, I forget their names, you know, there was like Peter, there was like John, you know, there was like uh, Matthias, you know, there was Levi, you know, uh, 
you know, all of her names. But, but you know, um, they clearly didn't think that was entitlement. They clearly didn't think that was, you know, that, you know, these people just needed to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. So where, where did this theology come from? Hmm. Kind of interesting. Kind of interesting how modern evangelicals have absolutely nothing in common with the original apostles. I'm just saying, it's pretty obvious that the, the apostles um, wouldn't exactly share much theology in terms of, you know, economics um, with uh, modern evangelicals. They certainly didn't see it, see it as just entitlements or immoral to the demand of the rich. They clearly saw it as the rich's obligation to give whatever the fuck they had to the poor. So yeah, tax the rich, motherfuckers. And that's not going anywhere close to enough. Oh, by the way, did you see... Like, I know that by the time, you know, the public, you know, the most of you are listening to us. But remember, um, if you support for just one buck on Patreon, you can hear Thursday episodes a week early. So, but, um, you know, for like the one of you who has the Patreon feed. Um, did you see just a few days... Well, for you, a few days ago, but for me, it was just the night before when AOC was shut up at the gala with the taxed rich dress. Fucking beautiful, man. Fucking beautiful. But, you know, like, that's a, that's a good starter. That is a very good for start. Doesn't go enough, but it's a very good starter. And congrats to AOC for having the, goal, the guts to do that. Um, true fucking hero, man. Anyway, um, but yeah, it's just amazing how evangelicals, like, their view is so radically different than, like, you know, the original apostles. Like, Obviously, like, this is not a debate. Anywho, um, where were we? Okay, anyway, so, uh, thus, the Christian who had no house could demand from him who had two or three to take him in. The owner kept only his own house to himself. But because of a community of enjoyment of goods, housing and accommodation had to be given to him who had none. Money was placed in a common chest, and a member of the society, specifically appointed for this purpose, divided the collective fortune among all. But this was not all. Among the early Christians, communism was pressed so far that they took for meals in common. Um, you can read about that in Acts as well. For family life was therefore done away with. All the Christian families in one city lived together. Like, one single large family. Yeah, because in Christ, we are one big family. That's who we are in Christ. So why should they live any differently? Anyway, moving on. Final paragraph. To finish... Let us add that certain priests attacked the social democrats on the ground that we are for the community of women. Obviously, this is simply a huge lie arising from the ignorance or the anger of the clergy. The social democrats consider that a shameful and bestial distortion of marriage. And yet, this common was usual among the first Christians. Um, honestly, I looked, I tried to study as much as I could on what she was talking about here. Uh, I don't understand what she was already saying here, so I can't really comment on this. I don't understand what she's what's, what's being said here, so... 
Um, I've done the research, I still can't figure it out. Um, so. Anyway, um, that's everything we really have for today. Uh, thank you all for listening. Next week, part three of that um, article will be going over. So, yeah, I hope you join me then. So, anyway, hope you all have a wonderful day. Peace.